From pediatrics to geriatrics, Maine Medical Center is centered around you. Welcome to MMC Radio, your trusted source for healthcare news and tips. Here's Melanie Cole. There are numerous, numerous atmospheric allergens and chemical irritants that we're exposed to every day in both indoor and outdoor environment. But which of those can aggravate existing allergies and or cause them? And how do we reduce our exposure? My guest today is Dr. Annie Coase. She's a pediatric pulmonologist with Maine Medical Center. Welcome to the show, Dr. Coates. Let's talk a little bit about the things that we see every day, car exhausts, bus fumes. We're out and about in the world and our children are too. Are we exposing them to irritants that are going to cause allergies or exacerbate existing allergies? Absolutely. So thank you so much, Melanie, for having me back on the show. I'm, I'm delighted to be here today and especially since May is Asthma Awareness Month and allergies and other airway irritants can so commonly exacerbate underlying asthma symptoms. This is a really important topic to really try and understand and help our patients understand um, if they may be affected by these various types of things that can irritate our airways. So in, in addition to a number of, the, of other common allergens on the home front that we'll talk about, certainly environmental pollutants like bus um, fumes, car exhaust, pollution as well are things that can um, otherwise bother the airways or contribute to inflammation, mucus that can result in those symptoms we talked about last week like coughing, like wheezing, like feeling a tightness and, and shortness of breath. So we've even got things like the ozone, and they have ozone action days in the summer. What do we do about those kind of days? Do we just keep our children that may already have some kind of an asthma issue, do we keep them inside on those days? You know, I think it's a great question, Melanie, and, and you know, it's, it's something that I think is important to be aware of um, as contributing to underlying difficulty breathing, but I think also, you know, trying um, to bring your child outside and and although it's important to, to minimize and try and avoid anything that can irritate the airways, um, although I want you to be aware of what those things may be, I also, there are a number of benefits from, from being outside, and so I think I think that you can kind of play it by ear, and as long as there's an awareness, like you don't want to be standing by buses, for instance, and the exhaust that they put up, or or careful about um, ex- any exposure to um, car exhaust, but, you know, just being aware of, of the different types of things that can irritate the airways and, and listen and um, watch for the, those responses of your child and then decide accordingly about whether or not it's safe to bring them out or if it's better to stay inside. So those are irritants outside, and when we look at some of the Mm -hmm. substances inside and indoor irritants, dust mites, pollens, molds, pet dander, even cockroach droppings or mouse or any of these things that go on inside, tell us what some of the most common triggers are and what we should do about them. 
Well, you nailed the majority of them, and so dust mites are high on the list. So these are microscopic organisms that are found in in bedding, upholstered furniture, carpet, as well as in other places. So they can't be seen um, by the naked eye, but they are very common irritant furred animals, so dogs, cats, guinea pigs, gerbils, rabbits are are among some of the most common animals that people have in their home, but that can also cause allergy symptoms. Pests like cockroaches, mice, rats, so the urine in particular of rodents can be very irritating to the airways, pollen in general, so that can be from trees, grasses, weeds, particularly in the spring and then again in the fall, molds and fungi, so those include mold that again would just similar to dust mite, would be too small to be seen by the naked eye, but sometimes certainly are large enough, particularly in moist areas, um, to look, keep out. Um, so places like bathrooms, for instance, basements, particularly here in Maine where they tend to be very moist. Um, and then even foods. Um, so common foods that can be irritating are cow's milk, eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, soy, wheat, fish, and shellfish are certainly all common possible triggers that can result in allergy symptoms that, you know, most commonly are um, itchy eyes, runny nose, cough as well. So what do we do about those? If we start to see our kids with those itchy eyes and the running nose and they they do that thing with their hand, they rub up their nose until it's raw, do we start with over-the-counter antihistamines? Do we try and clear out the house? And what about air filters? People always want to know if those things work. You bet. And so, uh, you know, there are a number of things. I think, again, um, similar to what we talked about last week, the, the most your most powerful defense is understanding what is going on and what's possibly causing it, trying to avoid it, and and also um, being aware of what medicines can help. And so first recognizing that your child may have allergy symptoms is, is important. And so those are those symptoms that you know, we just mentioned a few um, minutes ago, like the runny nose, the itchy eyes, coughing. It may not be a cold. This may be related to allergies, particularly with the change in seasons and particularly in the spring and the fall. And then once you recognize, gosh, maybe this is from allergies, knowing, well, what is it caused by? We talked about common allergies in the home front as well as in the environment. So, you know, different types of things like carbon dioxide, methane, um, um, cyanide, carbon monoxide that are all really um, um, potential irritants to the airway and, and important air um, household cleaners that have ammonia or bleed them are other things to be aware of and so trying to avoid them even if that means staying inside that day. If there um, allergies from um, dust mites or um, pests like cockroaches or furred animals, doing your best to avoid exposure. So when it comes to dust mites, there are um, different types of covers that you can place on um, uh, mattresses and box springs, for instance, that are allergy-proof and really um, block out the possible exposure to dust mites. Um, air filters are, are fine to use. I think that um, 
they're hit or miss. Some people find them particularly helpful. Others don't. I, I think they're certainly reasonable to try. Um, I just caution when it comes to humidifiers um, in the room that just be aware they can be um, a source of mold collection. So just be on the lookout um, for that. It's important if, if you prefer to wash your linens as opposed to put covers on them um, to just know that they need to be washed um, at least um, once a week in hot water and the minimal temperature to kill mites is 130 degrees Fahrenheit. Whereas in most homes, we don't recommend going higher than 120 because it can cause burns. So just being aware um, of that, trying to balance the minimizing the risk of burns versus also being able to kill the mites. And then if if um, there's still symptoms that are ongoing, even after taking various types of precautions, like removing dust mites in the home, possibly removing animals um, in the home, there are different types of medications that you can use. So you touched on one of the most important ones, um, which is antihistamines. These are medicines that are largely over-the-counter and can be taken by mouth, and they help really try and control those underlying symptoms of itchy, watery eyes and runny nose, sneezing um, is another common symptom. Another common medication to use in addition um, or instead of antihistamines are nasal steroids. So that's actually taking a steroid and applying it directly on the tissue and the nose to help control some of those symptoms that I, I mentioned. And there are other types of medications, but those are two of the most common that we usually recommend after um, going through allergy avoidance recommendations. Do you recommend trying nasal lavage with our children? I, I never think that that's a, a bad idea, to be quite honest, because what's, what's involved with that, and, and this can be done in a variety of ways, one in the shower by just hot, steamy water, um, so bending over so that um, water can get into the nose and get up into the sinuses. Sinuses typically start developing about the age of three, um, or they're actually sinus rinses, um, for instance, and I... Um, not affiliated with any of these sinus rinses, but one commonly um, one that we use is something called meal rinses, which we've had a lot of positive feedback from our patients, which is basically just a salt water solution um, that you can place up the nose and through the sinuses. And the whole point and benefit of that is that it just helps rinse out that mucus, rinse out any irritant that's in the nasal passages or the sinuses. That is always a good idea. But if you do, I just recommend doing it before taking the medicine so that after you've rinsed out that mucus and, and irritant, like pollen, for instance, there, that you then can apply the medicine medication like a nasal steroid directly. It's kind of like a shower or a bath for your sinuses. In just the last minute, Dr. Coates, if sure. you would please give your best advice on dealing with allergies and asthma and these airway irritants that we find outside and inside. Absolutely. I think that, you know, it always comes back to education and understanding what may be affecting your child. And so if you recognize that there's a particular time of year where they tend to struggle more, for instance, most commonly in the spring and the fall, trying to understand what may be causing the symptoms of allergies. And then once that is understood, either by um, parents' recognition, the child's recognition, bringing that to the attention of their medical care team, whether that's your primary um, care provider and or a member of my team at the um, 
uh, pediatric specialty care and main medical partners here in, in Portland. We are here to help understand how we can keep your child as happy and thriving as possible, and we look forward to working with you together to be able to achieve that. Thank you so much, Dr. Coates. It's really great information. You're listening to MMC Radio. And for more information, you can go to mainmedicalcenter.org. That's mainmedicalcenter.org, mmc.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>